I must start by saying that I probably I probably would not have picked this topic out myself this time last year. I'm not saying I'm better or worse than anybody else. But I knew very little about masonry, Shriners, Eastern Star last year at this time and had really no desire to learn anything more than what I knew. But as is known, at the end of each year, I take suggestions. I've put it in the bulletin. I take suggestions on what to preach for the coming year. I run these topics by the elders and try to, try to fit them into the, into the year's theme. And as you well know, I don't, I don't shy away from topics. And if I don't know, I try to find out. If you can remember a couple of years ago, the sermon on dinosaurs. I had no idea about dinosaurs until somebody asked me to preach a sermon on dinosaurs. So we, we talked about dinosaurs a couple of years ago. The topic of masons was given to me by one of you. I scheduled it last December for this December so that I would have plenty of time to understand. And I've, I've thought on this sermon all year. I've talked with masons, active masons. I've talked with former masons. I've talked with those indifferent I've talked with those who have no idea what masonry is. I've talked with those who have a real hatred of Freemasonry. Understand it, as far as they're concerned, very well and hate it. I have talked with those who think masonry is a religion and they think of that as a good thing. I've talked with people who don't think masonry is, is a religion. Who see it as nothing more than a, than a civic or, or social club. I've been a part of an ongoing email discussion and blog discussions. I have consulted advisors I trust, historians of great knowledge, and brothers in Christ whose sermons and research I can follow without question. Brothers Wayne Jackson, David Padfield, Gene Taylor, Brad Price, Dennis Goolidge, Mike Toon, Dwight Fuqua, Dwight Fuqua, who will be preaching our gospel sermon, our gospel meeting this, this summer. Needless to say, in a year, I know much more about Freemasonry than I did last year and have come to some definite conclusions. If you came to hear me verbally bash the Masonic Lodge, you may very well be disappointed this evening. But if you hope that I will roll over and not be too specific so as not to offend, you'll be sorry you attended tonight as well. I will be as truthful and as fair as I know how to be, and I want you to understand that. But what I want you to understand above anything and everything else is what's really important. In this study tonight lies that which is important. And it answers my own questions about masonry, chief of which, chief of which is can I be a mason? 
Can me, Chad Loveless, be a Mason? Have you ever been out driving and got lost? That's no fun when, you, when, you, when you're trying to look for something, is it? Sometimes I like to go out driving and just, just get lost. Just try to find my way. Try to find new routes and new connections. And you, you just happen upon something. Oh, yeah, okay, I see how that, that road cooks into that road. I understand that. That's kind of how I approached this topic this evening. I tried to immerse myself in, in all these questions that I had no answers to. And just get lost in them and try to find my way out of the paper bag. Try to find my way on the road. I looked at the scriptures and found the answers that I was looking for. Tonight, we'll ask and answer, what is masonry? We'll ask and answer, is masonry a religion? We'll ask and answer, can a Christian be a mason? We're going to ask and we're going to answer, and this one you'll have to answer for yourself, where does my time as a Christian go? And then I'll answer my own question, could I, myself, be a mason? But all of these questions and answers will be sandwiched in and threaded through with the answer to the question that became first and foremost in my mind. What's important? What's important? I do not want us to lose sight of the fact that God comes first in our lives. It is His will that is to be done. Who and what I was, who and what I am, what and who I will be and where I will be is determined by God. What's important is I'm a Christian. I'm a follower, a disciple of Christ. I'm a new creature in Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 3 because I have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 5. The death the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and now I have the hope that I will see my Lord someday because I died to self, was buried in baptism, and have been raised to walk a new life, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, not a life of worldliness. I am not to conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. As a Christian, I respect and study God's Word, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And I love and I obey God's instruction. I will keep His commandments if I love Him, John chapter 14, verse 15. And I do love God. As a Christian, I will worship God in spirit and in truth, John 3, 3. And not forsake the assembly... Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, As a follower of the way, I am faithful to God, steadfast, immovable. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. I know the Lord's ears are open to my prayer. 1 Peter 3 and verse 12. And I hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. And I oppose evil and I oppose error. As a Christian, I will strive to have no fellowship with darkness. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11. And I abhor, I am to abhor. That's a strong word, what is evil, 
Romans chapter 12, verse 9, and not be overcome by evil. Romans chapter 12, verse 21, and will do my best to keep from every form of evil. Even by not putting myself in situations where it may even appear that I am evil. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. When I was baptized into Jesus Christ, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, and my sins were washed away, Acts chapter 22, verse 16, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, salvation, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and was added by the Lord to the church, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. I didn't join the church. I was added to the one church built by Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the church, the one church. I am not a church of Christ. I am a part of the church of Christ, and my responsibility is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I am not part of a denomination. There is only one church. I'm not a church of Christ preacher. I'm a preacher in the church of Christ. A description of who the church belongs to. That God is glorified for sending a part of himself to earth to die for me so that I can live with him forever is what's important. I am a Christian belonging to the church of Christ and it is my responsibility, my personal responsibility, to tell you about it. Now, to my other questions. What is a Mason? Is Mason real religion? Can a Christian be a Mason? Can I be a Mason? They could be answered in your own mind by what I've just described as what's important. Before I answer these questions though, let me define some terms that you will hear as these questions are answered. Religion, the belief in and reverence for a supernatural power or powers regarded as creating and governing the universe. A particular variety of such belief, especially when organized into a system of doctrine and practice. A set of beliefs, values, and practices based on the teachings of a spiritual leader. A cause, principle, or activity pursued with zeal or conscientious devotion. Universalism, the doctrine held especially by some Christian groups that all people will eventually be saved. It's a theological doctrine that everyone will be saved, no matter what you believe. Sectarianism. Of, relating to, or characteristic of a sect. A group of people forming a distinct unit within a larger group by virtue of common beliefs. Adhering to or confined to the dogmatic limits of a sect or denomination. Partisan. Denomination, a large group of religious congregations united under a common faith and name, usually organized under a single administrative and legal hierarchy. An organized group of religious congregations, i.e. it means to divide. It's a part of a whole. Christian. Christian. According to the dictionary, it's one who expresses belief in Christianity. But if you're a student of the Bible, you know it's more than that. 
It's mentioned three times, this word, in the New Testament, Christian, Acts chapter 11, verse 26, Acts 26, verse 28, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. Good people believe in Christianity, but merely being a good person will not identify you to God as one of His children. Acts chapter 11, verse 14, Cornelius was a good man, but was told the words by which he and his household would be saved. Any religious person is not a Christian. Many think so, but any religious person is not a Christian. Paul spoke to many religious people in Acts chapter 17, but many would not obey the gospel. A Christian is not one who follows the old law. Colossians chapter 2 verse 12 says, It was nailed to the cross. Christians follow the law of Christ. They have obeyed the gospel by believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. Now, with these terms defined, let me answer my first question. What is a mason? When I use the word mason, I'll be using it to describe all the various sects inside the order. Let me explain. According to the American Academic Encyclopedia, Freemasonry refers to the principles, institutions, and practices of the fraternal order of free and accepted masons. The the largest worldwide society, Freemasonry, is an organization of men based on the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, using builders' tools as symbols to teach basic moral truths generally accepted by persons of goodwill. It is religious in that a belief in God is the prime requirement for membership, but it is non-sectarian in that no religious test is used. Now, the Grand Lodge in Indiana, you know, in Tennessee and in Indiana and New York and all the places, they have local lodges, okay? Then they have a Grand Lodge in each state, okay? The Grand Lodge in Indiana says of itself, Freemasonry is a system of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. Trying to trace the history of Masons is impossible. That took a long time, but I I gave up on it. 1717 is an important year. It's when the York Rite seemed to have been approved. Let me explain what that means. Masons use, use symbols. Symbols are used in, in, in the Masonic Lodge. And they're the symbols, they're, they're the tools of a mason. You know what a mason is. A mason is someone who takes brick or block and makes a wall or staircase or, or, or pours concrete. Okay, that, that's a, you can get a job as a mason. All right? Well, they use, this lodge uses the tools of a master mason to teach things, such as the 24-inch gauge to divide their day. The common gavel to break off the rough corners of life. The plum admonishes us to walk uprightly. The square to square our actions by virtue. The level to travel upon the level of time. The trowel spreading the cement of brotherly love. Now, we have symbols here in the church. We partook of a symbol this morning. Symbols in themselves are not inherently bad. Okay? But they can be used, anything can be used in a bad way. 
the Blue Lodge. Brother David Padfield said the Blue Lodge, the first three degrees, masonry is built on degrees, levels, if you will. When you, when you start out as a mason, you start out as a first degree or first level. And you go all the way up to the 33rd. From what I understand, that's the highest you can be, the 33rd degree. The Blue Lodge, it's what it's called, is the first three degrees, if I understand it correctly. And that's the foundation for many other Masonic organizations. Uh, the York Rite. That's the first 12 degrees. And again, 1717 seems to be the year that that rite was started. Okay? Uh, the Scottish rite, that's, that's 30 degrees. Now you earn the first 32 degrees and the 32nd, excuse me, the 33rd degree is bestowed upon you. Uh, Brother Padfield said, My grandfather was a 32nd degree Mason and thus wore the title of a sublime prince of the royal secret. The Shriners, a social and charitable organization of 32nd degree Masons. And from what I understand, that's the only ones that can be in it. The Order of the Eastern Star, that's for Master Masons, that's 3rd degree Masons and their wives. The Order of Demolay, that's for boys. Of Job's the Order of Job's Daughters, that's for girls. Now, what might be, might be interesting to discuss all of these various degrees advanced degrees and auxiliary organizations, but I do not have time tonight to do that. Okay? We will look at the foundation of masonry, and when I say masons, I'm including all these other auxiliaries, okay? We'll look at the foundation of masonry, the Blue Lodge. That's, that's where most masons stop, at the third degree, in the Blue Lodge. If you got a handout from the back, if you didn't you most certainly can have one as you, as you leave. The Masonic Lodge, it says, claims six million members worldwide. In its ranks, you will find some of the greatest men in American history. Men like Henry Ford, General Douglas MacArthur, George Washington, and 12 other U.S. presidents. You will also find doctors, lawyers, judges. And Brother Padfield adds, unfortunately, many Christians. Some of you in this room have been Masons in the past or are Masons now. Good people, great individuals, some who I know and respect and love tremendously. You don't know how much I love you. Masonry started here in Fountainhead in Portland. It started just down the road in the upstairs of the old Sarver Butler house in 1848 in the upstairs of this home. Although not practiced as much today by Masons, according to the Tennessee Craftsman, that's a Mason publication for the Tennessee Grand Lodge, okay? The Masonic Lodge room, it says, usually is located on an upper floor since high places are holy and particularly appropriate for religious purposes. That's from the Tennessee Craftsman, page 19. The lodge room is supposed to represent the universe while the covering of the lodge is symbolic of heaven where all good masons hope at last to arrive. Brother Wayne Jackson adds, that includes Jewish masons, Muslim masons, Buddhist masons. They're all going to heaven. In 1901, the Fountainhead Lodge, number 326, if I understand it correctly, and I may be off in my years, became the Portland Lodge, number 326. 
according to their bylaws. You've got to want to be a Mason. And section one of article number four in their admissions says this. All petitions for initiation, passing, or raising or admission shall be laid before the lodge at a regular meeting and lay over one month for consideration. And the master shall at the same time appoint a committee of two or more members of this lodge to examine into his character and make report of it at the next monthly meeting, at which time he shall be balloted for, when, if he be unanimously chosen, the presiding officer shall declare him duly elected. But if there be more than one dissenting vote, the they take another vote, basically, and if you're rejected again, you can't petition again for another 12 months. But let's say you're accepted. Let's say you're voted in by, by a unanimous vote. You pay your fee. I don't know what that is now. I, from what I've heard, it's $60, $70, $80 now. But according to the bylaws of 1906, it was $5. I'm sure it's more now. Then you are inducted with the Masonic ritual. This is the first degree now. You're just, you're just, you're an inductee, first degree. You're blindfolded, bare chested. Your left chest is pierced with the point of a compass. The apprentice, as he's now called, kneels before the altar to take his first oath. On the altar is the sacred book of the law. Now, you might think this is the Holy Bible. In Tennessee, it probably is. But in a Jewish lodge, it could be the Old Testament. Or it could be the Koran in, in a Muslim country. Or the Indian Vedas or the Law of Confucius. Brother Padfield wrote that in one lodge in China, there are three sacred books open on the altar at the same time. You just pick which one you want to follow. But I want you to understand what happens next. The blindfolded apprentice takes the next step into masonry with this. Let me read part of this oath. I furthermore promise and swear that I will not write, print, stamp, stain, cut, carve, hew, mark, or engrave them on any movable or immovable capable of receiving the least impression of a sign, word, syllable, letter, or character whereby they may become legible or intelligible to any other person under the canopy of heaven and the secrets of masonry be thereby unlawfully obtained by my unworthiness. All this I most solemnly and seriously promise and swear with a firm and steadfast resolution to keep the same without the least equivocation, mental reservation, or secret evasion whatsoever, binding myself under no less penalty than having my throat cut from ear to ear, my, torn tongue out, my tongue torn out by its roots, and buried in the sands of the sea at low water mark, where the tide ebbs and flows twice in 24 hours, should I in the least knowingly or wittingly violate or transgress this my entered apprentice obligation, so help me God and keep me steadfast." Become a mason. You must take this oath or similar oath. You must go through the ritual. Each degree is different. More, you know, some of the same things, and but each degree is different. It, it, it's more of the same each time. Now, as many of my brothers have written, most masons only go through the blue lodge. Or, or, or the first three degrees. Brother Gene Taylor said, 
Some view Freemasonry as simply an innocent fraternal order made up of men who simply are attempting to benefit humanity without any effort to compose a religious order. And no doubt there are many man-made organizations that do good who organize for the common welfare of man. You know, Dwight Fuqua, who is to preach our gospel meeting this coming July, when he said a Christian cannot be a Mason, he was asked, yeah, Dwight, but what about all the good they do? The burn hospitals, the, the children's hospital, the, the clowns in the parade. We saw them in the, in the parade downtown in Portland last night. What about all that? Brother Fuqua's reply was this. This does not alter the fact that they do not accept Jesus Christ as the only Savior of man. Now, that may be inflammatory to some. And let me explain myself. Because there are some who, who do not see this as a religion at all. They see this as a, as a social club. Totally. And they would not agree with that statement. They would not agree that they're that type of person. He quotes the Kentucky Monitor, Brother Fuqua does. The Kentucky Mason publication that quotes says this, Jesus Christ is the Christian Savior. Krishna is the Hindu Savior. Quantanese is the Chinese Savior. And Hiram Abiff is the Savior of the Masons. Huh? Now I had to look that up. I had to do some digging to find out who this was. Hiram Abiff. You know who Hiram Abiff is in the Bible? I had to do some digging. Uh, Brother Wayne Jackson, he wrote an article about this that was just amazing. Let me read from part of it. The third degree of masonry, he says, known as the Master Mason, is based upon the alleged murder of Hiram Abiff, a citizen of ancient Phoenicia who was a contemporary of King Solomon of Israel. According to the Old Testament, the king of Tyre sent Hiram to assist Solomon in the building of the temple. Masonic tradition alleges that Solomon, the king of Tyre, and Hiram entered into a solemn, agree solemn agreement never to reveal the mysterious master's secret word, or, or it's a password, until the temple was completed. Supposedly, this was the true name of God. As the Masonic story goes, one day before the completion of the temple, Hiram was attacked by three knaves who demanded to know the hidden word. When he refused to tell it, Hiram was murdered. In the Masonic ceremony, the worshipful master, he's the head honcho in the Masonic ceremonies, the worshipful master playing the role of Solomon will raise Hiram, played by the candidate, from the dead using a secret handshake designated as the strong grip of the lion's paw. If you've got one of my handouts, that shows a, a, a copy of that. And then administer to him the five points of fellowship. But the Masonic story contradicts genuine Bible history. In the Old Testament, the record is clear that Hiram finished the work he was assigned to do on the temple. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 40, 2 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 11, he was not killed earlier as Masonic legend has the story. You know, with such references to the Bible, to deity, the question must arise, to not ask so important a question is ignorant, to say the least, is Freemasonry a religion? Are the Masons another religious group in our society, or just a club of guys who like each other? 
The question, does masonry claim to be a religion, is the next logical question to me as I was researching this. I've spoken with many current and former Masons who say, and I, I believe them, that for them it was never a religion, it never was a religion, they still don't think about it as a religion. Okay, let me make that clear. Dwight Fuqua says he knows a member of the Masons and the Eastern Star who thought of their order as nothing more than a type of social club that provides fellowship and service. As I quote Dwight Fuqua, uh, David Padfield, he, he's again, to the world, David Padfield says, Masonry claims it's not a religion. Okay? This is from, the, from, from Indiana again, the Grand Lodge of Indiana, from a publication that they put out for everyone to see. Okay? It says this. It's called Freemasonry, A Way of Life. If you wanted to know more about it, they would hand you this publication. And it says this. Though religious in character, Masonry is not a religion, not a substitute for one. Okay? That's pretty clear, isn't it? Here, here's, what, here's what the Grand Lodge of Indiana says in a different publication. Freemasonry is not a religion. It has a philosophy of its own which is in harmony with the church, the school, and all other worthy organizations. Brother Padfield points out, though, to the Master Mason, those of the third degree, to the Master Mason, Masonry is claimed to be a religion. Now, some of your friends and some of you may not think it that way, but I tell you, the higher up in Masonry you go... They do, because they write about it. Let me read to you. This is from the Indiana Monitor again. We, we, remember, we just quoted the Indiana people who said it wasn't a religion. Hear what they say in this Indiana Monitor, page 35. Freemasonry is a charitable, benevolent, educational, and religious society. Sounds like doublespeak, doesn't it? This is from the Morals and Dogma book. One of the grand masons from a long time ago, a guy named Albert Pike, wrote this. He said this, Masonry, like all the religions, all the mysteries, hereticisms, and alchemy, conceals its secrets from all except the adepts and sages or the elect and uses false explanations and misinterpretations of its symbols to mislead those who deserve only to be misled, to conceal the truth which it calls light from them, and to draw them away from it. So masonry jealously conceals its secrets and intentionally leads conceited interpreters away. Now this, this was published, this book here was published under the auspices of the Supreme Council of the 33rd degree Scottish Rite Masons. That's what they, the higher-ups believe this. From the Kentucky Monitor, our neighbors to the north. As Masons, we are taught that no man should ever enter upon any great or important undertaking without first invoking the blessing of deity. This is because, and I quote, Masonry is a religious institution. Morals and dogma again. Every Masonic lodge is a temple of religion and its teachings are instruction in religion. Do I have to get more plain? Masonry is the universal, this is from Morals and Dogma again. Masonry is the universal, eternal, eternal, immutable religion such as God planted in the heart of universal humanity. The ministers of this religion are all Masons who comprehend. Do I need to get more plain? Masonry propagates no creed except its own most simple and sublime one. That universal religion taught by nature and by reason. Its lodges are neither Jewish 
Muslim or Christian temples. It extracts the good and not the evil, the truth and not the error from all creeds. Did you hear that? Albert Mackey, the writer of the Encyclopedia of Masonry, says this on page 727. I contend without any sort of hesitation that masonry is, in every sense of the word except one, and that it's least philosophical, an eminently eminently religious institution that is indebted solely to the religious element which it contains for its origin and for its continued existence, that without this religious element it would scarcely be worthy of cultivation by the wise and the good. Again, the Grand Lodge in Indiana says, Freemasonry is a charitable, benevolent, educational and religious society. It sounds to me like masonry claims to be a religion. Doesn't it you? It sounds to me that Freemasonry at, at its Tennessee level at the very least is sectarian and denominational. On a global level, universalism at its worst Acceptant of all religions. No matter what you believe. No matter what you believe. We're all going to go to heaven. We're all going to go to heaven. No matter what you believe. It requires all of its apprentices to take an oath of allegiance on the pain of death. Now, I'm, sure they, I'm sure they wouldn't kill you. I haven't heard that before. Still, you take an oath to that effect. So if masonry is a religion, can a Christian be a mason? Before some observations, let me read to you from Dan Williams' Preacher Stuff Exchange this past July. Dan Williams, he's been here and talked to us before. Dan Williams has a preacher's exchange. It's an email exchange where preachers from, from Maine to California, we all ask questions and give answers and, and, and share sermons and, and thoughts and ideas. This past July, a preacher, not me, I didn't ask, but a preacher asked for resources, understanding Freemasons. I wasn't smart enough to ask this group. This guy did. Brad Price, a brother at the Goshen Church of Christ in Goshen, Indiana, he wrote this in answer to this brother's questions about Masons. He wrote this, When I was training to become a preacher, my family became friends with a wonderful Christian family. The husband in this household, who had served as a deacon for a time, took me down to the local river a couple of times to fish and impart a few words of sage advice. During one of these encounters, he told me how he had been in the Masonic organization for a long, long time and had risen to the top, 33rd degree. Then he said a few words I will never forget. A faithful Christian cannot be a Mason. He also told me that he burned all his books and severed all his Masonic ties. Here's another entry. This is the next day. That was July the 6th of this year. July the 7th of this year. Dan, please keep my name anonymous. I was a Freemason. I was up to become worshipful master. This is the guy who presides over the meetings. The head honcho. I became a Christian shortly before I was to be appointed to this responsibility. I couldn't consciously remain a part of the organization and be a disciple of Christ. 
Every Mason takes an oath not to reveal what goes on in the Masons. I do my best to honor the oaths I take whether I believe in them later or not. All I can say is, for anyone who knows their Bible, there are perversions made in the use of God's Word that I was very uncomfortable with, including the title that was about to be bestowed upon me. So I resigned. Some make it more than a club, he says. It can become their religion. It's beyond me how anyone could look at Freemasons as just a club. I would assume they could look at the church pretty much the same way. It's an important point. You have to know some things about the Masons to become a member. None of us should join any organization without knowing what it's really about. The organization needs to be seen as more than just a club. Do they do good? Yes. I'm just giving you my personal experience as much as I can consciously reveal. Many of the guys who are members are good people. Unfortunately, being a good person doesn't save us. Name withheld by request. Look, can a Christian be a Mason? Yeah, they can if they're willing to be sectarian, divisive, denominated universalists. You can if you're willing to do that. Jesus didn't want all of his followers to be divided into into sects and divisions. He prayed in John 17 that all would be in one, not with a human mandate, but with a God-given doctrine found in the New Testament. Heresis. Heresesis. I'm pronouncing that wrong. Heresesis. That's the Greek Bible word for heresy. Factions. Divisions. Sex. It's never been used in a good way in the Bible. It's pointed out to be a sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 9. Galatians chapter 5 verses 20 and 21. Denominations mean religious division, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. God is not the author of confusion. Christ died for the unity of the one church, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Division at Corinth was condemned, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. Division is condemned everywhere. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. It's wrong to follow different rules of faith and practice. Philippians chapter 3 verse 16. We are to speak the same thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. Speak as the Bible speaks. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11. Sectarian denominations do not teach God's plan of salvation. As did the apostles. In Mark chapter 16 verse 15. In 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Denominations... Sectarian and universalist organizations don't teach that. That simple gospel, that simple truth. There's only one way. Yet, masonry around whose altar the Christian, the Hebrew, the Muslim, the Brahmin, the followers of Confucius and Zoroaster can assemble as brethren and be united in prayer to the God who is above all, the Balaam must needs teach of its initiates to look for the foundation of its faith and hope in the written scriptures of its own religion. That's from Morals and Dogma, page 226. Dwight Fuqua again. 
He says this, How can Christians unite with them in prayer and allow each to follow his own way? And he cites 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. 2 John 9 through 11. Those who do not believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God are condemned, he writes, at John chapter 8, verse 24. Objection, Dwight. My lodge doesn't have any Hebrews, Muslims, or Brahmins, etc. in it. That may be true, he says, but you give support to an organization that does and you are part of a religious brotherhood composed of denominational people at best. This is certainly universalism at its worst, isn't it? As a Christian, you can be a Mason if you're willing to say the Bible didn't have all the truth. Now, I understand that most of your entry-level Masons, they would not agree with this statement and see it as inflammatory. But hear me out. The Mason organization you belong to says that the Bible is sometimes in error. I'm not saying you do. I'm saying the Bible is right and that the higher-ups and the writings of Masonic orders say that sometimes the Bible is in error. Again, morals and doctrine. A, 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 more, a Mason book says, the doctrines of the Bible are often not clothed in the language of strict truth. How can a Christian support this when Jesus said, John 17, 17, God's word is truth? The Bible, the Encyclopedia of Freemasonry says, the Bible is used among Freemasons as a symbol of the will of God however it may be expressed. Therefore, whatever to any people expresses that will may be used as a substitute for the Bible in a Masonic lodge. Thus, in a lodge consisting entirely of Jews, the Old Testament alone may be placed upon the altar. The Turkish Freemasons may make use of the Koran, whether it be the Gospels to the Christian, the Pentateuch to the Israelite, the Koran to the Muslim, or the Vedas to the Brahmin, it everywhere masonically conveys the same idea, that of the symbolism of the divine will revealed to man. This is morals and dogma again. Masonry reverences all the great reformers. It sees Moses, the lawgiver of the Jews, in Confucius and Zoroaster and in Jesus of Nazareth and the Arabian iconoclasts, great teachers of morality and eminent reformers if no more. That's what Jesus Christ is boiled down to here, an eminent reformer and a great teacher of morality. My Lord and Savior is more than that. Amen? Paul writes in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians that one day the Lord will come back and we who are His will go to heaven. And those who have not obeyed the gospel, God will take His vengeance out upon. This is a funeral dirge in the back of the 1906 Freemasonry bylaws from Fountainhead. Does this funeral dirge from the bylaws of the Fountainhead Lodge Comply with scriptures. Let me read it to you. This would be read at funerals. Solemn strikes the funeral chime. Notes of our departure time as we journey here below through a pilgrimage of woe. Mortals now indulge a tear for morality is here. Mortality is here. See how wide her trophies wave or the slumbers of the grave. Here another Guest we bring, seraphs of celestial wing, to our funeral altar come, waft our friend and brother home. 
There enlarged thy soul shall see what was veiled in mystery. Heavenly glories of the place show his maker face to face. Lord of all, below, above, fill our hearts with truth and love. Wind dissolves our earthly tie. Take us to our lodge on high. God is not in the lodge. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and 2 that Jesus ascended into heaven and now He sits at the right hand of God. Amen? A Christian can be a mason. If they can look the other way at Bible truth. A Christian can be a mason if they can take the oath that was read earlier to have their throat cut from ear to ear and their tongue torn out by its roots. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, Do not swear at all, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than this is from the evil one. And the Holy Spirit by James confirms this in James chapter 5, verse 12. But above all, my brethren, he's writing to Christians, okay? Can a Christian be a mason is... is you know, the underlying question here. Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. In a nutshell, what I'm saying is a Christian can be a Mason or a Rotarian or a Lions Club member or a Kiwanis Club member or a 4-H member. Really hard-working, active members of these organizations if that Christian is willing to divide their loyalty. Let me explain. This is from the Rotary Club website. The four-way test of the Rotarian. Here's what it said on the website. There's something that all Rotary Club members have in common. We take action. As community volunteers, we reach out to the neighborhoods in need. We build, support, and organize. We save lives. We work locally and globally. Around the world and around the corner, 1.2 million men and women of Rotary get involved in their communities, connect with other professionals, share their time and experience with young people, support global causes such as eradicating polio, and use their skills to help others. I understand the need to feel like you belong. Why can't the church fulfill that role for you? Why do you have to go outside the church to find this longing and this emptiness in your heart? The Rotary four-way test of things we think, say, or do is this. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? Well, is the Bible the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? the Bible fair? Will the church build goodwill and better friendships? Is the gospel beneficial to everybody? Then why not promote the gospel of Christ, God's power to save, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, rather than the Rotary Club? I could say the same thing about the Lions Club or the Kiwanis Club. 4-H. Its website helps youth, it says, meet the diverse challenges of today's 
world. Number two, build self-confidence. Learn responsibility. Make positive decisions. Now, please, I'm not saying 4-H is wrong. I'm not saying you can't. Please. I'm trying to make a point here. I hope you understand. Hey, I, I got, in, in, when I was in 4-H, I got second in the county in making cornbread. Can't the church do that? Can't you find that in the church? Or am I wrong to say 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, add to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, add to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control perseverance, to your perseverance godliness, to your brother, godliness brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness love. Can you grow in those things? And build self-confidence, learn responsibility, and make a positive decision? Are we putting other things before Christ and His church? Ask yourself, where does my time go? If we could pie chart your life, what would it say? Would it say all your time went to family? That's good. But God's better. How about sports? Did, did all your time go to sports? Hobbies? The lodge? You know, I wear a lot of hats. I'm, y'all do too. I'm not, I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You know, as a father and a husband and, and a preacher and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a member of this congregation and a friend... I wear lots of hats. I don't know how you'd have time to get into all these other organizations. My wife would kill me if I picked up one more thing. We settle for good when we could have the best. You know? We settle for good when we could have the best. Same pie chart thinking. Where does my money go? Is God glorified because of the good that's done with the money that I give or the time that I spend? Or does a man-made organization get the glory? Same pie chart. Where's my allegiance? My loyalty? Who gets the credit? A man-made organization? Or the God of the universe? Let me dial it down for you even more. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, some of the most ominous words that have ever been written. He said this, Do not think that I come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for for, for the sake of masonry no for my sake Jesus said we'll find it Mike Toon preacher at the Falls Church Virginia Church Christ wrote this if we spend our time teaching the Bible helping people to read it and understand it 
we'll have enough work to keep us busy until the Lord calls us home. This conversation about Masons reminds me about what a brother told me about politics in the pulpit. It gets in the way of what's really important. The gospel. That's what's important. The church. That's what's important. And my responsibility as a Christian to promote God's agenda and not my own or my friend's agenda. Could I be a mason? Well, I can't be a part of a sectarian denomination. Nor do I believe that all roads lead to heaven as do the universalists. The Word of God was in the beginning, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide bone from marrow. And I cannot say it's imperfect. I cannot take such an oath. Oh, I've done stupid things in my life. I've made rash oaths in my youth. But I recognize them now for what they are, sin. But I cannot take that oath. And I cannot divide my loyalty. I know who I am. I know know whose I am. I know what I am. I know my responsibility. My responsibility is the responsibility of every Christian to tell you 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 5 that Jesus died and was buried. He rose again and He was seen by hundreds. I obeyed this gospel by being baptized into His death being buried with Him through baptism into His death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, I too was raised and am seen living a new life. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now, I have the hope of heaven. You will not find this hope anywhere else. When one becomes a mason, they receive a lambskin apron. The white Masonic lambskin apron. The white lambskin represents purity. Upon receiving the apron, Masons are told, if you wear it without soil or blemish, you will be received at the pearly gates of heaven and there be presented with the pure white robes of righteousness which will glisten in brightness, increasing in glory, even unto the perfect day. This ignores God's requirements of the gospel and is a total disregard of biblical truth and has no doubt led many into a false sense of security. You don't want to be a part of that, Christian. You don't want to be a part of that, do you? True Christianity does not stand for such such compromise. If you're thinking about becoming a Mason, don't. If you are a Mason, get out. If you're mad at me for saying so, well, come talk to me. We'll reason together. We'll look at the Scriptures, find the answers. If you're a Christian, you'll do what the Bible says. Come to me in a spirit of love. You'll obey God. 
not man. And that's what I want to say to you in closing. Come out of the world. Come away from them, the Bible says. Come forward and repent. Come forward and be baptized.